Well, again, it is just so great to have everybody here to celebrate Easter together. And I actually want to start with a little question. Who in here knows who this person on the screen is right here? Does anybody know who that is? Okay, good, good. This will make this even better. So that is Michaela Sousa. And if you don't know who she is, she's a 19-year-old influencer based out of L.A. And she's got millions upon millions of social media followers. Her music and YouTube videos have been streamed by the millions. She's got fashion deals with Prada and Balenciaga. And Time Magazine even named her one of the most influential people on the Internet. And as a 19-year-old girl, she makes $11 million a year. Must be nice. Now, all of that is true about Michaela, but there's one detail you may not know about this girl. She is not a real person. That's right, Michaela is a totally digital personality. She was created by a tech company and they used all these different digital tools and AI to build out her personality and people flocked by the millions to go to her live chats, to comment on her posts and try to make a connection with a girl who doesn't actually exist. Now, we are more than ever living in a world where it's becoming nearly impossible to tell the difference between what is real and what's fake. So I want, I'll, I'll approve it to you guys. I want you to do a little vote for me here. I'm going to show you two pictures. I want you to try to decide which one is the real picture, okay? So let's put the one, first one up here, right there, okay? There's picture number one. Okay, now let's go to picture number two. Okay, which one's the real one? Just put a finger up. One or two. One or two. Just want to see what the votes are. Okay. I see a lot of twos. A lot of twos. Okay, I tricked you. They're both fakes. They're both fakes. I know, I know lying on Easter is not a great way to start a message, but um, both of those pictures were created by artificial intelligence. Neither of those people are real. And this is kind of the technology we're living in now, and some people are actually having fun with this technology. So recently, somebody created this image of Putin in an orange jumpsuit, just having a little bit of fun with that. Um, somebody else said, hey, why not make the world's greatest boxer a scientist? So there's Tyson as a, as a nerd. And then this has been my personal favorite that's come out in the last couple weeks. Putin in the big puffy coat. Not Putin, sorry, the Pope. Those are two very different people. The Pope. Yeah. That would have, yeah. I, I was not sending a message there, okay? That was not meant to be a statement at all. The Pope in the puffy coat. He's got some swag. Now it's crazy because we've got fake images. We've got fake people. We've got programs that can simulate people's voices totally perfectly and I am not trying to be dystopian at all everybody this is not like some sort of apocalyptic message or anything I think some of these technological tools are very exciting and they're going to serve humanity but truly there are some times when the difference between what is real and what is fake really matters it makes all the difference so I grew up during the Pokemon craze hey Pokemon nerds in here come on collected the cards played the games okay I got a woo for Pokemon well as a kid, I went to the local baseball card shop with my friend, and we got these like little booster packs. It was like 11 cards or something. And he opened up his pack, and out came this card right here. Now, oh, I got some O's, so some of you guys know. Now, for those of you who are not nerds and don't care, that is an Edition 1 Charizard right there. That is one of the rarest cards on planet Earth. And you can get a fake Edition 1 Charizard on Amazon right now for four bucks. Just a little novelty card. You can do that. But the real thing, the real Edition 1 Charizard just sold for $420,000 in this last year. That's the card my friend had. 
I'm sure there's probably someone that's near. You've done some online dating. Maybe you even met a spouse or that or a significant other. A lot of people have tried it. Just in this last year, 70,000 people lost over a billion dollars to fake people on online dating sites. Over a billion dollars. One guy lost $2.8 million to somebody who ended up being a fake. You want to talk about an expensive date? $2.8 million. Person's not even real. Think about it. Just think about how much money and time and effort goes to trying to separate the real from the fake. You can't even get through airport security without an ID. You buy a house, you pay some guy thousands of dollars to inspect it to make sure it's in the real condition people are saying it is in. And we just jump through all these hoops. Even if you log on into any platform now, it's, it asks you, how many stoplights are in the different pictures? What was the name of your first pet? And you're trying to think of what your hamster's name was when you were five years old to get into this website. There's just areas of our lives where the difference between real and fake makes all of the difference. And this is also true when it comes to conversations about God. You know, we've been debating these questions as long as we can remember. Questions like, is there really a God? And if there is a God, what is this God even like? What kind of power does this God have? What kind of involvement does this God have in our lives? What responsibility do we have to this higher power if there is one? Now, some people have just dismissed the question altogether. I actually saw somebody post on social media recently. I saved it because I thought it was interesting. They said this, at the end of the day, we are all molecules floating beside other molecules trying to find reasons to live. And everything we do will someday be destroyed. Now, that is one view of reality. And maybe that's even one that resonates with you. Now, other people have just tried to simplify this conversation completely. So maybe you've even heard like celebrities or other people say, hey, live your own truth. And actually, I like the sound of that. It just sounds nice and clean. Like, hey, just let everybody do what they want to do. Let's stop judging everybody. You do you, boo. <laughs> right? Let's just live our lives. But we have to be honest with ourselves. What if your truth isn't true? What if your truth is a fake? What if it's not real? And this also applies to the question of Jesus. Because I know there's a good number of people in this room. You're here today because you do believe Jesus is more than just some historical figure. You actually believe he's God. And you came here to celebrate and Easter's a big deal for you. But I also know there's a good number of us in this room where you are definitely not convinced. Like, you're not sure if God's real, and you're definitely not ready to say, oh yeah, Jesus is God or my Lord and Savior. And actually, if you would put yourself in that camp, I would tell you, that is totally understandable. You know, most people actually feel that way. And actually, most people, even in Jesus' time, felt that way. You've got to think of the life of Jesus a little bit. It's kind of strange. This random small-town carpenter who lived in relative obscurity his whole life, just kind of out of nowhere starts to blow up on the scene and basically become viral. And so thousands of people are flocking just trying to get a glimpse of this guy, just trying to hear a word. And they're starting to have these conversations like, is it possible that Jesus might be something special? Is it possible that maybe he's this savior, this Messiah? Is it possible that he's God? Is he the real thing? And at one point in Jesus' life, he goes back to his hometown and he encounters people that he grew up with who knew him as a kid. 
And they see the teaching, and they start seeing even some miraculous activity, but their response is kind of something you might not expect. Here's what it says about their experience of Jesus. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So the people who knew Jesus personally, who had a front row seat to this guy, still came to the conclusion that there's no way he could be more than just a small town carpenter. I mean, they're like, we know his family. They're like, I'm in a rec league with his brother and he's not even that good at basketball. Like, how could this guy be God? There's no way. Maybe this is a good scam, but there's no way this guy's the real thing. Now, when I was in college, I had a friend who just wasn't that interested in matters of faith. You know, like a lot of people. He, it just wasn't his thing. But I was hoping just to have some conversations with him, expose him to matters of faith and see where it went. And so we actually made a deal. We said, okay, for one semester, we are going to try a new church together every single week as a little social experiment. Let's just see how it goes. So every week, we are going to like Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches and Episcopalian and non-denominational. We even went to some Catholic churches. And can I talk to my Catholic friends here in the room? I love you guys. I really do. But you need to have a manual or a booklet or something for all the moves. Because I had no idea what I was doing the whole time. It was like a workout program. I was exhausted after that service. I didn't know what I was doing. So we get to the end of this semester. And my friend's response after all these church experiences was not totally unlike the people in Jesus' hometown. He said, you know, Brian, it's just not my thing. Like, I can see how it's your truth but it's just not my truth. Jesus is not real to me. And this is how many people feel. Jesus is just not real to you. And even though many of people, many people felt this way about Jesus during his own life, it didn't stop him from saying some pretty crazy stuff. So at one point, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then another point, he says this, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And so Jesus had no hesitation to draw this radical deep line in the sand where he was basically saying, I am the only one who can truly satisfy the desires of your soul. I am the only one who can really give you the life you were meant to live. I'm the only one who can solve the one problem that every single person has. Death itself. He was saying, I am the real thing. I am the only thing. I am the truest thing there is. And while many people did not believe that, there were some who started to wonder, well, what if Jesus isn't a fake? What if there actually is something to this guy? Maybe he's not just some viral person who's going to fade away like all the others. What if he's the real thing? And then this fever pitch starts to surround Jesus. 
the energy just starts to build up and tens of thousands of people are gathering at a time just to get around this guy. It gets so out of hand that he's entering Jerusalem at one point and people are literally throwing their coats down on the ground, crying out, Hosanna, this is our Lord, this is our King. People even said, it feels like the entire world is going after this guy. And then everything takes a drastic turn. You see, Jesus stirred the pot just a little too much for some people, particularly the religious and political establishment of the day. You see, they saw him as a threat. People were starting to like this guy just a little too much, and he was coming up against their own power and control. And so they formed a conspiracy against him. And through using crowd dynamics and manipulating the political injustice system of the day, they were able to get Jesus a capital sentence. And in utter humiliation, in total defeat, Jesus was spit on, he was beaten, he was whipped, and forced to drag a piece of wood to the top of a hill, where then like a used up piece of meat, he was nailed to it. And in the middle of this horrific nightmare, Jesus in one last desperate breath cried out, it is finished. And it was. He died. He was not the truth. He was not the life. The guy who said he could help other people live couldn't even keep himself alive. He was not the real thing. He was just another disappointing, worthless, fake piece of trash for the pile of human history. Now, if that's where the story ends, every single person here is free to have any opinion of Jesus they want. Because he's just another guy who died. So hey, maybe he said some good stuff. Great, learn from that. Maybe he was an important historical figure we could learn from. Awesome. Maybe he's just not for you. That's fine. Live your truth. But there's a little problem with that approach. You see, Jesus was dead. He was very dead. He was securely placed in a tomb. It was over. And three days later, some of his followers went to the tomb just to show their respects. He was still their friend. So they went in to check on things, and there was a little problem when they showed up. The body wasn't there. Now, there's a very clear explanation for this. Somebody took the body. That's what they all assumed. There's grave robbers at the time. That's what happens. But then the entire story takes a massive turn. Jesus shows up. Alive. And to the absolute shock of everybody, he starts to show up to some of his friends and followers. Now, these events are mentioned in both biblical and extra-biblical texts, but Luke was a first-century physician, 
And he took some detailed records of what was transpiring here in the first century. And he picks up the story when this is happening right here. It says this, while they were still talking about this, trying to figure out what's happening, Jesus himself stood among them. Not some ghost, not some vague spirit, not their own hallucinations. It was Jesus himself. Luke is very careful to note, this is the real thing. And as you might expect, they are really confused. Like, they don't know how to process this. And look what Jesus then says to them. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Maybe because you were just dead three days ago, Jesus. Maybe that's why. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So even Jesus himself, he is so adamant. He's like, this is not a fake I'm not pulling off some stunt. This is the real thing. This is the absolute truth. Now, one thing I love about some of these accounts is it doesn't just give this generic detail. The story then zooms in on one person's individual experience of how this all happened. And we get to look at it through his eyes. This guy's name was Thomas. And so now we get to see it through one guy's life here in this moment. Here's where the story picks up. Now, Thomas... Nicknamed the twin, one of the 12 was not with the others when Jesus came. So they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now I'm wondering if you guys have had these experiences before um, where you have like a friend come up to you and they're like, you got to try this restaurant. It's going to change your life. you got to see this movie. you got to buy this random piece of junk on Amazon because it's going to change your life. You ever have people just recommend you just stuff like they're saying it's going to be awesome? I had this experience with my wife a little while ago. She says, babe, you have to try this drink. It's going to change your life. I've just discovered something that is going to completely change your life. It's called kombucha. Now, if you don't know what this kombucha stuff is, it's like this weird yeast, bacteria, disgusting concoction that apparently makes something you can drink. And my wife is trying to sell me on this whole thing. Like, babe, I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. We're going to make it ourselves. It's awesome. And what I started noticing was all these science projects start appearing on my counter in the kitchen. So I have like these random jars with nasty brain stuff in it that I don't even know what it is. And then the next thing, just bottles, just bottles everywhere of stuff. And I'm just thinking, where does this lead to? Like, we start growing stuff in our basement soon too, babe? Like, what is happening in the bigger house? But I had this moment where I'm like, hey, I got to taste it for myself. I can't just take my wife's word for it. She can be excited about it, but it's not real to me yet. And Thomas, he's just being honest. He's saying, I need my own experience. I need to taste this for myself. And maybe that's exactly how you feel here today. You have other people telling you, Jesus is amazing. He changed my life. And you're like, I just haven't had that experience yet. It's just not real to me. I need to see it for myself. I was a youth pastor many years ago. And on one night we were having one of our programs, this young guy named Jeffrey shows up. And he was furious to be at this program. It's the last place he wanted to be. And what I found out was his mom was forcing him to come. And as far as he knew, I was complicit in this plot to ruin his life. So he wanted nothing to do with me either. He just sat in the back of the room with his arms crossed. And we had some conversations. He's like, here's the thing, Brian. He's like, this isn't my thing. 
I don't do this church stuff, okay? I know you all are excited about Jesus, but I just have not had that experience. He was very honest, much like Thomas. Now, Thomas's story picks up then, and we see what happens to him. Let's take a look. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Now, Nicole kept getting on me about this kombucha stuff, everybody. I mean, she was getting on me about, you got to try the kombucha. And so finally I had this moment, I'm like, all right, I will try the nasty brain drink for myself and see. And can I just tell you guys, I took a taste and I have discovered the magical elixir of life. It is called kombucha. It will change your life. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, no, Brian, I've tried it. It's not that good. You haven't tried my stuff. You haven't tried the real thing. Okay, so you come over to my house, I'm going to make you try some of the kombucha, all right? It's going to change your life. But here's what happened to Thomas. He needed his own experience. And Jesus, out of his grace and his love, knew what he needed and met him at his request. And this experience was so real to Thomas that he was able to say, Jesus, you are God. You're my Lord and my God. You are the real thing. Thomas was so convinced of this that he gave the rest of his life to try and help people have the same experience he had. And he believed it so strongly that he was willing to die for it. And that's exactly what happened. The man we sometimes jokingly call Doubting Thomas died a courageous believing martyr. Now, before that happened in Thomas's life, when he has this real experience of Jesus, Jesus kind of has an interesting comment in response. Look what Jesus says. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So yes, Thomas got the benefit. He got an in-person real experience with Jesus himself. But Jesus is very careful to note, you must understand, you don't need to see me with your own eyes to have a real experience. You can still have the real thing even if you don't get what Thomas got. Now, Jeffrey, this student at this youth ministry, was barely tolerating me and just these youth activities. And he was still sitting in the back with his arms crossed. But I still remember there was one night when the story took a turn and he got a little taste. He got a little taste of the real thing. And Jeffrey didn't just transform. He completely changed. He went from back row cross-armed Jeffrey to front row radical follower. And he never missed an event or program. He was dragging his friend saying, hey, I got something at this thing. You got to come get it too. And what's kind of cool for me is this year, Jeffrey is going to turn 25 years old. And he is an incredible young man to this day who would still tell you Jesus is his Lord and his God. I was on the phone with him a couple weeks ago, and I was just saying, man, I'm just so proud of the man you're becoming, so glad our lives intersected. And he said, hey, Brian, 
you remember how much I didn't like you? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. He's like, but man, God got a hold of me. And it just changed everything. See, Jeffrey has never seen Jesus with his own eyes. And yet he had an undeniable real experience that changed everything for him. Now, what if that were to happen to you? Like, what happens in your life when you have this kind of experience? What can you expect when something like what happened to Jeffrey or Thomas comes into your own life? There is a moment when Jesus' reality becomes your reality. And everything starts to change because you realize, oh, this is not just other people's truth. This is not just my mom's truth or my grandma's or the person who dragged me here today for Easter. This is the truth. And then it becomes your truth. And then the truth of Jesus starts to change everything about the way you view reality and live in it. So you come to realize, oh my goodness, there is a God and his name is Jesus. This is what you realize. You see, okay, this guy defeated death. And he didn't just go to a cross 2,000 years ago. He went to that cross for you. He died in your place. He took on your sin. And so you see, there is a God that loves you more than you could possibly imagine. There is a God who is so committed to you that he was willing to go to a cross for you. And his name is Jesus. But you come to another realization. You realize there is so much more to this life. You see, you are not just molecules floating around that are going to be destroyed one day. You recognize that you are a precious creation designed by God himself. And he has given you a unique personal purpose and destiny to live out in this world. And he wants to come alongside you to help you and strengthen you and guide you as you go on this life. You are not just aimlessly existing. There is so much more to your life and what it means. But there's even one other thing. This truth comes into your life and you realize the best life is still to come. When Jesus rose from the dead, he opened a massive door. He opened the door to new life, what he would often call eternal life. And this is a process that God has been working out throughout human history where he is going to renew and bring new life to everything, all of creation. And we get a tiny little glimpse into what this is even going to be like here in Revelation. It says this, there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You see, because of what Jesus has done, death is no longer just some sad, hopeless ending. Jesus transforms it into a beautiful new beginning in your life. Jesus' resurrection becomes your resurrection. And so everything I have said today has led to this one single question. I have to ask this question of every person here today. Have you had that experience? Have you experienced the reality of Jesus? 
Is he the real thing in your life? I'm not asking if you've been to church. I'm not asking if you were christened as a kid or if you went through confirmation or if you cried at a camp or if you were baptized or walked an aisle or raised your hand at any point in time. What I am asking is, is Jesus' reality your reality? And I'm here to tell you today, it can be. Jesus wants to make himself real to you. He wants to come into your life and completely transform it. He wants you to experience his love and his presence. He wants his reality to come into your life. Do you want that? I'm actually going to have some of the worship team come out right now. And they prepared a song that is simply called Gratitude. And this song tries to capture in two words what happens in your life when Jesus' reality becomes your reality. And we kind of wanted to do this different because what I am hoping for is that this song is an opportunity. So for some of us, this song is an opportunity for you to just have a fresh appreciation of the reality of Jesus in your life. You already believe he is your Lord and he is your God. And I'm hoping this song just washes over you for Easter this year so you can say, man, I just love Jesus. I'm so grateful he died for me. But I'm also hoping this song is an opportunity for some other people here. I'm hoping this song is an opportunity for you to invite the reality of Jesus into your life. For you to have a moment with God where you can just pray, Jesus, make yourself real to me. And I'm telling you, God knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. And you can even pray that in your own heart and mind today. Jesus, I want you to be real in my life. I want you to become my Lord and my God. And so I'm going to let the worship team lead us in this song. Go on. 
got just one move with my arms stretched wide I will worship you so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul, cause you've got a lion, it's none of those thoughts, get up and praise the Lord. So come on my soul, oh don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs, get up and praise I know for some of you, 
that really is the desire of your heart. You're, you're, you're really praying, Jesus, I want you to be real to me. I want your reality to become my reality. And I just want to say, we are so proud of you for taking that step of faith, for reaching out to God. And we just want to encourage you on this journey because that's exactly what wants you. Maybe some of you guys, again, this might be your first time at a church in a long time. Maybe you've realized you've just drifted spiritually a little bit in your life. And you're saying, you know what? I want to get connected to God again. I want to go on this journey with him. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, okay, I'm not really convinced yet, but man, I would be interested in exploring some more. I'd like to see if there is something real to this Jesus God. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.